It is a gripping question that we as believers, as we come to the ends of our lives, will we be able to say, have I lived my life, have I walked worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? In fact, that really is the the encapsulation of our theme and of our mission here at Grace Baptist Fellowship. And last week, I had the joy to introduce you the first segment, the first part of our theme, and where, where we added a word. We added a word, reaching souls, building lives, together was that word, in love. And we said that uh, last week, this idea of together comes from the word koinonia. And as we looked at that, we saw that Nasby had uh, several words translated koinonia, from koinonia, uh, things such as, as uh, sharing, participation, uh, fellowship is the one that we think of often. And so as we search the scripture, we, we saw that we are to be together in the gospel, and that is our main, our main objective. The, the, the unifying part of together is together in the gospel, that we as believers, individually and corporately, be a part of the gospel work that God is doing in our hearts and lives, in our city, in our state, our country, in our world. We made this kind of purpose that GBF must continue to participate in the gospel. We are together to make that a priority in our lives. And we said that also that, that together starts with individuals doing the gospel work. If we wait on someone else, it may not start. So the impetus is, as Christ was talking to his disciples, go ye, and he, although he's using the, uh, the southern plural y'all, as y'all go, go um, each one of them had a part and a responsibility in that. But together continues as individuals encourage each other in the gospel work. And so this morning, I want to continue with together and reaching souls and building lives together in love. Look to that. The second one, though, is to look is together in unity. Together in unity. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, some of us in leadership have the had the opportunity to walk through a church, a church building that had once held a thriving ministry in the seventies and eighties. Um, as we walked through, we saw mementos and um, memories of great and wonderful works that the church had done in the past. We saw the very first communion cup um, in 18, I want to say 92. Uh, We saw the first pastor and then other pastors on the wall and other things that they had done. And yet, while the church would seat 600, 650 maybe, there are only 50 there still attending. And as we looked at it, it wasn't that the church had accomplished, had not accomplished great things. It was at some point in the past, there failed to be unity centered around the gospel work of Jesus Christ. And yes, there were plenty of committees. And there were things that people were doing inside the church, even that small number. They were busy. But as one insider confidentially told me, 
I have a hard time getting people to reach outside the walls of the church. See, as we are together in the gospel, as we think about that, we have to be unified in the purpose in which God has called us to. And so as I speak this morning, I'm not saying this as there's a problem here. This is really preventative medicine. This is saying a warning of where we could be in a hundred years if not for a continued and a diligent focus on the gospel work that God is doing and being unified in that process. It didn't happen overnight. You know, Paul addresses, the Apostle Paul, as he wrote letters, uh, we were in last week in Philippians. You're going to turn there. Philippians 2 will be this week. In Philippians, he's writing to a church, as we said last week. Uh, he didn't know a lot of them. It had grown since he'd been there. He'd only been there a short time. But as he writes to them, he writes in love and great care. And he writes to them about their participation in chapter 1 and the gospel. He, they understood what they were about. They understood why they were believers, why they were Christ followers here. So in chapter 2, he sets up a series of, of if statements and conditions, and these are, it says if is almost since there. In verse 1 in chapter 2 of Philippians, he speaks to them and he challenges them in another way. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship, and here's the word, the koinonia, that we've been looking at, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make, and this is an imperative, this is a command, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regarding one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out on your own personal interest, but also in the interest of others. So he says, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any fellowship of the Spirit is that, and it's not within their spirits with each other, but this is indeed the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit is working in you, if the encouragement of Christ is in you, and since it is, make his joy complete by being of the same mind. And notice that, of the same mind. Notice the word same here is translated in our English translation. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit. And then he, he gets to meddling a bit. Do nothing. Do nothing in selfishness or empty conceit with humility of mind regarding one another as more important. Paul is calling for a like-mindedness. A like-mindedness. In fact, he uses the word for like-mindedness about ten times in this letter that he's writing to the church in Philippi. It is indeed things. It's a unity of mind. It is a unity of love, he says. It's a unity of spirit, almost one-souled. It's a unity of purpose. A unity of purpose. We like to call that here, keeping the main thing, the main thing. The work and glory of Jesus Christ. 
And as Paul is writing here, as he's encouraging them, he's admonishing, and yes, he is commanding them. We notice the work that the Holy Spirit does in the heart of a believer. It's a change not because we're trying to be good and nice. Some of us are more naturally nice than me and others. Uh, It is not a personality trait. It is indeed the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the fellowship of the Spirit brings a unity that is marked by selflessness and humility. What a work that the Spirit does. Sometimes we leave out the mention of the third person of the, of the Trinity. We leave out the mention of the Holy Spirit because some have taken it to, to extremes and so we, we tend to shy away. But the work that the Holy Spirit of God does in our hearts, that work of comfort, that work of conviction, the work of, of guidance, and the work that He does by bringing fruit in our hearts and lives. And that re- reminds us of Galatians 5. As Paul writes to the church in Galatia, he talks about them not following the old paths, but, he, but, but instead, because of the Spirit's work in their heart, producing fruit. And this is a very familiar verse if, you've, if you have been around Christian things, but the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit works in you is love, joy, peace, patience, loving kindness, goodness, faithfulness. This is what the Spirit works in you. It is not... I'm working hard to do it, but He is changing me, changing you, giving us gentleness, self-control. Such things, there is no law. Paul says, no one in the government is going to come to you and say, stop being gentle and kind, hopefully. Uh, That is not the rule of law here. In most good governments, no, no. But these are the things that God requires of us, and it happens as we are being led and guided by the Spirit. So unity is not all agreeing on the same thing. Unity is a heart condition that comes about by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives that we have love one for another. And that love one for another in the body of Christ spills out over not only in the body of Christ, but in all those we come in contact with. Whether they know Christ or not, this is to be our character. This is to be our life. We are to love, to care. We should be, we should be known by our peace, and our gentleness, and our goodness, and indeed our humility. But what, what happens when we are so different? How do we work together? And Romans 12 really speaks to this. I love the book of Romans, and one day, one day we're going to preach through it. I think I need to be a little more mature before I preach through it, so you know, it may take another 50 years. Um, but one day, we're going to preach through Romans. And so, as I've read in Scripture before, it's almost this doxology, the end, end of Romans 11, Okay, the God who is all of these things. And then 12 begins the practical work of that. If you want to turn to Romans 12. So he says, I, pre- I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, just like Christ sacrificed himself for us. Now, give yourself back. But it's a living. We don't die for our sins. We don't die for Christ to, to have some kind of reward for us because we die. But now, we're to be, we're live for him. 
He says, do not be conformed to this world. But in verse 3 begins another paragraph. He says in verse 3, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Okay, so laying the groundwork, it's not about me. There we go. We can, we can close the book. No, there's more to it. It's not about me and it's not about you. Okay, it's not to, for us to think more highly. We are to put others first. And then he starts to explain because he's writing to a church that have, has Jewish believers and now Gentile believers, probably more Gentile believers. Leadership might have been Jewish, now believers that believe in Christ. And so for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, because we're different in the body of Christ, because we are not all musicians, we are not all, and just pick on whatever you want to do, because we don't all have the same gifts, we are many members in one body. We don't have the same function. But so we, who are many, are, in, are one body in Christ, and individual members one of another. What Paul is saying is that we are one in Christ. We all are together in Christ. And what great comfort that is. What wonder that is because if we are followers of Christ, He has done the work in our hearts and lives of these changes. We are in Christ, but we also are one with other believers. Other people who follow Christ, we are one with them in Christ. See, we don't have to try hard to make us one. Because of the fact that Christ has redeemed us, we're now together, one in Christ and one with each other. And as Paul starts to unpack this this passage, he says, you are vastly different from one another. Ephesians 4 talks about this. Unity, but also the difference and how God gives different gifts to each one. But he continues, since we have many, or we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, not know who's given the gifts. God has. It's God's grace. So it's, it's not because I worked hard and got this gift. It's not because I was worth anything to God. It is all of God's gifting. And He chooses different people, a different gift, not based upon them, but upon His gracious choice. He says each of us is to exercise them accordingly. What you've been given, you're supposed to use. Like those muscles that some of us don't use. My son took me to the gym last week, and we worked out on biceps. I'm much more fierce than my son and mean, but he could curl more weight biceps than I was. I was really kind of sad, but I didn't want to tell him that I was kind of sad. But you know what? I exercised those muscles, and it hurt the next day, let me tell you. (laughs) And then that just kind of reminded me that I need to exercise those muscles a little more. And that's what Paul is saying. What you've been given, exercise it. Because, as my biceps, they'll quickly go away. What are you using the gifts for the body of Christ? See, that's part of unity. The body needs you. They don't need everybody like me. Ooh, that'd be scary. They need you. 
each one of you in the body of Christ. We need your gifts. The body needs your gifts. Every individual local church needs everyone participating using their gifts because we are one in Christ. We are to use them and exercise them accordingly. And you notice here in this passage that unity is not uniformity. Understand that? It's not like, okay, we've got to do everything the same way and the same form. Unity is not uniformity. He's not saying, okay, I want you all to do the same gift and, and do it equally as, as well and do it just like I do. That's not what Paul is saying here. Because Paul understands through the grace of God that in our diversity, we gain strength for our unity. Unity is strengthened by the diversity of gifts, by the diversity of people, by the diversity of backgrounds. Some of you are from right here in Greenville. Glory. Some of you are from way far away. Praise the Lord. And we have been brought here for this time in our lives. Some of us may be here for just a few short years, maybe four or five or six, and they go out. Some may be here the rest of their lives. But while you are here, unity in the body of Christ means using the gifts that God has given you with people around. So it's easy to say, you know, this is the time of my life. I'm really busy. I can't do this. Um, I think it starts in school. I'm too busy. I've got to study. No, there are people around you. Then it goes to work. I'm too busy. I've got to work. I can't, I can't invest in other people. I have a family. I have a job. I have a, I have a hobby. I have responsibilities. I have, there are always, there will be always things that in your life, will clamor for your attention. That may be good, but may not be the highest use of your time. God desires that we impact the people around us with the gifts that God has given to us through His grace. It continues in 12. Uh, if uh, verse 7, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows uh, mercy with cheerfulness. He says, whatever the God has given to you, you use those things, you do it with joy and with effort. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be devoted to one another, in verse 10, in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Honor the other people. Love them. Say, no, no, you first. You go through the door first. You first. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted in prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Care for one another unified in Christ together. So how do you and I, who are different, hopefully, how do we do this together in unity? So that we are, yes, diverse in our gifts and our talents and our backgrounds, but we also are unified. There's a couple of guiding principles and some things that we need to prioritize in our lives if we indeed are God's children serving here in the body of Christ. Number one, we prioritize the glory 
and gospel of Jesus. We prioritize the glory and the gospel of Jesus. Remember, last week I began with, we are here, if we're followers of Christ, we've been saved by Jesus with the glory of God. That we are to live for his glory. What we do, what we say, is to reflect well on him. And also the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he did save us, he redeemed us, not because we are worth it and we worked really hard, but because of his good grace. We heard the call, we received his grace through faith. We trusted in him. See, if we prioritize the glory and the gospel of Jesus, we're going to make probably vastly different decisions than if we do not. When we do not prioritize the glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to make decisions that, that make me feel good. Well, I'll make decisions that make me feel good. You'll make decisions that make you feel good. And whatever's best use of your time and best use of, of your resources instead of that of God's, instead of what brings glory to Jesus, and instead of what you can do to share the good news with others who do not know Jesus, is prioritizing It's a priority in your life. It's when you get up, it's a burning desire. How will I and my work and my school and my life and my my home, how will I glorify God as I live? How will I take the opportunity to show the love of Christ to others? And really the first thing in the morning is our personal walk. See, we prioritize and we are unified because we begin the morning with God and His Word We're listening to what he has to say to us. And we're pouring out our hearts in prayer. Why do we struggle with people, with situations in life every day? It is often because we don't start the day right. Some of you work third shift, whatever your day starts. Okay. In some ways, the Christ, we make the Christian life a lot harder than it needs to be. There's, there's plenty enough hardship and because of sin and things and curses in the world and just, you know. But really, God doesn't make it hard. He doesn't say jump through hoops. He says, spend time with me. Be in my word. I will guide you. I will lead you. But you've got to be listening to me. Wow, what unity we would have and continue in the body of Christ here at GBF if we as members, regular attenders, would spend our time in God's Word each morning, devoting ourselves to Him. You know, that's how the fruit of the Spirit works, when we respond uh, poorly to other people. Why is that? Well, you may not, I may not have been giving the Holy Spirit enough ammunition to use in my life by not being in His Word. Thirdly, prioritize your personal love for others. See, to be unified in the body of Christ as we think of the glory and gospel of Jesus, we think of our personal walk. Then we look at other people and say, that's a fellow believer. All men will know that we are Christ's disciples because of how I love him, how I love her 
how I care for them. Well, say, you just don't know this person. And that really wasn't the, the question that Jesus asked. That wasn't really the, the impetus or the, the emphasis that he was giving. It's not their response to me. It's my response to them. Unity comes about, about by, by caring for one another, caring for their spiritual walk, caring for their physical needs, caring for every part of them to love others because Christ loved us. And that really then bleeds over. If we have a love for someone, then we have this, this priority of participation with other believers. As we love each other, then we say, how can we partner together in the body of Christ to glorify God? Well, today we're going to do this and this and to, to help someone else. Next week, we're going to, to spend time with you know, if we think about it, we can come up with a lot of good ideas that ones and twos, threes and fours can work together and participate in the work of the gospel. That we can share in a ministry together of caring for other people, both within the church and outside the church. That we can participate, we can share. Sometimes it's a contribution. Sometimes it is a fellowship, fellowship of believers as we serve together, as we love each other, ministering to others, caring for others. See, this was the heart of Jesus. This was the heart of Jesus, that we might make a priority together to serve God. I want to challenge you. Um, when, I, when I talk about this, you say, okay, Stacey, you're talking about this, join together and participate with someone. There probably was someone who came to your mind. Not necessarily a bad thing. I could participate with this individual. But I want to challenge you to broaden your circle, your perspective. You know, I heard this person has a talent in this, and this would be great for this ministry of serving. Let me go talk to them. Hey, would you like to? It's broadening of that. And that's where the together comes in. We're together, not in small groups, but an ever-widening circle of God doing a work in our hearts and loving us. And so this is our second emphasis on together, together in unity. It all begins with the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. See, too often, I've insisted on my rights. You've insisted on your rights. Too often, we have sought for a carefully guarded things that not, have not brought about unity in the body. And very often, churches across this land and this world have forgotten the main thing. And we must never forget the main thing of the glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we walked through that church, the sad part was they had rooms ready for people to come. An infant room, toddler room. They were ready for people to come to them. But they had neglected or forgotten or gotten tired of 
a unified goal of the gospel to go to other people. See, unity does not mean an inward turn. Unity doesn't say, okay, we've got just enough. Jesus Christ desires that all men come to the knowledge of Him. Together in unity is not a closing of the door. Together in unity is the opening of the door to opportunities to people to hear the gospel, to be ministered to, to love them even when they don't love us back, to care for those. And unity says, I will go because of Christ. I will go with others because of Christ. I will work together because of Christ. And that is the koinonia, the sharing of together in the body of Christ. Sharing in unity with other believers. It's how we do life together. It's how we weep together. It's how we rejoice together. It's how we learn together. It's how we grow together. It's how what we tell the gracious good news of Jesus Christ. We do so together. Would you bow your heads and eyes with me this morning? Thank you for those who are guests today for letting me present some inside baseball, as it were, um, of how God leads our church and how he has led our church and encouraged us and how we want to maintain that. But you may be here and say, I, I don't know, Stacy, what you're talking about, or that intrigues me, but I, I don't know where to start. And And I would start with the great work of God that He came. Jesus came to bring you salvation. You might say, Stacy, did I need salvation? Well, I know my heart was full of sin. It was the curse of Adam, and then I compound it daily, hourly, and I needed freedom from my sin. And it was the love of Jesus as He came and made that perfect sacrifice because there was going to be no other way for me to pay for my sin with the Holy God. So God Himself made that sacrifice. This morning, if you're our guest and you've not come to, to know Jesus in that way, we would invite you. We'd let you know that Jesus loves you and cares for you. We'd love to see you come and be a part of His family. And as we have listened, you listen to here, this is how we want to be treating other people in unity and care and love. And, and sometimes we've not done so well as a Christian and Christians at large. And for that, we're sorry. I apologize. And maybe you're here today and you're a believer and unity has not been a thing that you've been striving for. In fact, You've let petty disagreements break a unity. And maybe today, God's word, not mine, God's word, is talking to you and responding. It's the heart that says, I need to love. I need to care. God has worked in your heart because of the scripture this morning. Would you 
Would you deal with that? We are too quick to judge. We're too quick to condemn others. Let a lot of God's word shine on your heart today and on my heart. We work together in unity. Gracious God, thank you for who you are. We're in awe of a love that would cause you to leave the glory of heaven to sacrifice yourself on a cruel cross to pay the sin debt of men and women who shake their fists in rebellion. But oh God, I, I thank you that salvation is full and free for all who will come, humble themselves and repent and receive in faith your grace. And oh God, I pray for our church. Lord, as we enter this new year, may we be centered and unified together in the gospel. May we do so in such unity that people would see the love that we have for one another and say Christ has been here. Christ is in those people. Lord, may all see that we are disciple, your disciples because of the love that we have one another. And may that love, may that love build in us and may it overflow in reaching those around us and care and love with the gospel. May we be diligent. May we exercise the gifts. And Father, there may be some today who have not exercised those gifts. Lord, give them uh, your encouragement to do so. May they take the step of faith and use their abilities for you and your glory. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are a great God. For it's in Christ's name I pray.